Alrighty, so let's get started here. Uh, I'm doing 10.3 uh, from Dhamma Inputs um, Abstract Algebra, 3rd edition. So, chapter 10, section 3, to listen to in the car, called Generation of Modules, Direct Sums, and Free Modules. Uh, let R be a ring with one, as in the preceding sections, the term module will mean left module, obviously. The, we first extend the notion of the sum of two submodules to sums of any finite number of submodules and define the submodule generated by a subset. So we start with the definition. Uh, let M be an R module and let N1 through NN be submodules of M. Then the sum of n1 through nn is the set of all finite sums of elements from the sets ni of a1 plus a2 all the way up to an, where ai is in ni for all i. We denote this sum by just uh, adding them together. So n1 plus n2 plus all the way up to nn. For any subset a of m, let ra equal r1a1 plus R2A2, all the way up to RMAM, well, where all of the R's are from R, and all of the A's are from A, uh, and M is in uh, the positive integers, so our indexing, uh, where by convention, RA equals the zero set if A is empty. Okay, so we took a subset from the module, and we're multiplying it by ring elements, and we can add them all together. If A is the finite set A1 through AN, we shall write capital RA1 plus capital RA2 plus all the way up to capital RAN for RA. We call RA the submodule of M generated by A. Okay, so A was a subset of M multiplied by ring elements, and we call it the submodule of M generated by A. If N is a submodule of M, they could possibly be equal, and n is equal to ra. For some subset a of m, we call a a set of generators or a generating set for n, and we say n is generated by a. Okay, so n is a submodule of m, and it is equal to things in the ring times that subset, then it's generated by a. On number three, a submodule n of m is finitely generated if there is some finite subset A of M such that N equals RA. That is, if N is generated by some finite subset, so it's finitely generated. And a submodule N of M is cyclic if there exists an element A in M such that N equals capital R lowercase a. That is, if it's generated by one element, then it's cyclic. Uh, these definitions don't require that the ring contains one, but it ensures that A is contained in RA because it would be 1 times A. Okay, uh, it's easy to see using the submodule criterion that for any subset A of M, RA is indeed a submodule of M and is the smallest submodule of M that contains A. In other words, any submodule of M which contains A also contains RA. In particular, for submodules N1 through NN of M, 
n1 plus all the way up to nn is just the submodule generated by the set n1 union n2 union all the way up to nn and is the smallest submodule of m containing ni for all i's so um the submodules uh, added together is a submodule generated by the union of those and is the smallest one containing all of them. Uh, if N1 through NN are generated by sets A1 through AN, respectively, then the sum of all of them is generated by the union of all of the A's. So the sum of the N's is generated by the union of the A's. Note that cyclic modules are finitely generated, obviously because one is finite. Okay, a submodule N of an R module M may have different generating sets. Uh, for, for instance, the set N always generates, its, generates itself. Um, if N is finitely generated, then there is a smallest non-negative integer, integer D such that N is generated by D elements and no fewer. Okay, so it can't be generated by anything smaller than that. The, yeah, any generating set consisting of D elements will be called a minimal set of generators for N, but it's not unique in general. Um, if N is not finally, finitely generated, it need not have a minimal generating set. That makes sense. The process of generating submodules of an R module M by taking subsets A of M and forming all finite R linear combinations of elements of A will be our primary way of producing submodules. Oh boy, okay. Uh, this notion is perhaps familiar from vector space theory where it is referred to as taking the span of A. Um, so we generate submodules of M by taking subsets and forming the R linear combinations. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, the obstruction, which made the analogous process so difficult for groups in general, was the non-commutivity of group operations. But for abelian groups G, however, it is much simpler to control the subgroup A, generated by A, um, for subsets A of G. The situation for R modules is similar to that of abelian groups, even if R is a non-commutative ring, because we can always collect, like terms, in elements of A, in other words, elements such as R1A1 plus R2A2 plus S1A1 can always be simplified to R1 plus S1 uh, times A1 and R2A2. This again reflects the underlying abelian group structures to modules. So that's important. Okay, so now let's go through some examples. Um, let R be uh, the integers and M be any R module, that is any abelian group. If A is an M, then ZA is just the cyclic subgroup of M generated by A. Uh, so that's uh, triangle brackets. Yeah, we'll call them that, triangle brackets. Um, okay, compare definition four above with the definition of a cyclic group. So it's generated by one element. Yep, okay. Uh, more generally, M is generated as a Z module by a set A, if and only if M is generated as a group by A. 
that is the action of a ring elements in this instance yeah produces no elements that cannot already be obtained from a by addition and subtraction so ring elements uh, produce no elements that can't already be obtained okay yeah so m is generated as a z module by a if and only if m is generated by a group as a group by a okay that makes sense the definition of finitely generated for z modules is identical to that for abelian groups found in chapter five okay example two let r be a ring with one and let m be the left r module r itself know that r is a finitely generated okay note that r is finitely generated in fact cyclic r module because r equals r times one okay yeah it's generated by one um because one is in there ah makes sense uh we can take a equals one okay recall that the submodules of r are precisely the left ideals of r so saying i is a cyclic r submodule of the left r module r is the same as saying i is a principal ideal of r uh, usually the term principal ideal is used in the context of commutative rings okay also saying i is finitely generated r submodule of r is the same thing as saying i is generated is a finitely generated ideal okay <coughs> okay um when r is a commutative ring we often write a r or little a r for the submodule ideal generated by a or little a respectively as we have been doing for z when we wrote in z okay um in this situation a r equals r a and little a r equals r little a element wise as well okay so they're commutative feels like yeah thus the principal ideal domain is a commutative integral domain r with identity in which every r submodule of r is cyclic submodules of finitely generated module need not be finitely generated take m to be the cyclic r module r itself where r is a polynomial ring and infinitely many variables okay um x1 through you know infinitely many of them uh, with coefficients in some field f the submodule or the two-sided ideal generated by x1 or all of the x's cannot be generated by any finite set note that one must show that no finite subset of this ideal will generate it okay um module okay m is a cyclic r module r where r is a polynomial ring and infinitely many variables okay with coefficient sum field then the submodule generated by that cannot be generated by any finite set okay uh example three let r be a ring with one and m be the free module of rank n over r as described in the first section okay so m is a free module with rank n over r so that means it's isomorphic to a copy of r n times um direct sum with a tensor which here if it's free it should be zero feels like that no if it's a field it's zero okay yeah so here i could have tensor stuff okay 
For each i in 1 through n, let e i be a 0, 0, 0, 0, 1, 0, 0, 0, where the first 1 appears in position i. Uh, since s1, s2, all the way up to sn is the sum from 1 or from i equals 1 to n of si, ei, it is clear that m is generated by e1, e2, all the way up to en. If r is commutative, then this is a minimal generating set. Okay. Yeah, because you don't need the stuff on the other side. Hmm. Okay. Um, so EI is a set of zeros where one is in the I position. The first one. No, no, just the one appears in the I position. So then we have, like, S1 would be equal to the sum of S1 to E1. Okay. So M is generated by the E's. Okay. Yeah, because then S would multiply in there. That makes sense. Okay, let F be a field, <clears throat> let X be an indeterminate, uh, let V be a vector space over F, and let T be a linear transformation from V to V. Make V into an F of X module via T. Then V is a cyclic F of X module with generator little v. If and only if, V is the set P of X times V, uh, such that P of X is in F of X. That is, if and only if every element of V can be written as an F linear combination of elements of the set T to the N of V, where N is greater than or equal to zero. Yep, the number of transformations, okay. This in turn is equivalent to saying V comma TV comma T squared V dot 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 span V as a vector space over F. For instance, if T is the identity linear transformation from V to V, or the zero linear transformation, then for every V in V and every P of X in F of X, we have P of X V equals alpha V for some alpha in F. Okay, um, yeah, if it just goes to V, identity transformation would be just one. Okay, thus, if V has dimension greater than 1, V cannot be cyclic F module. Um, hmm, why is that? Uh, if it's the identity linear transformation V to V, or the zero linear transformation, then every V, every P, equals F of V, V has dimension greater than 1, can't be cyclic because it would need to be generated by those Vs. Okay, it'd be generated by more than one, so not cyclic. Okay, for another example, suppose V is affine in space and T is the shift operator described in section one. Let EI be the ith basis vector uh, numbered so that T is defined by T to the K of EN equals EN minus K for one, uh, is less than or equal to k is less than n. Uh, thus, v is spanned by the elements en, t of en, all the way up to t to the n minus 1 of en. That is, v is a cyclic f of x module with generator en. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. 
Um, for n is greater than 1, v is not, however, a cyclic f module. For n greater than 1. Oh, yeah. Um, because you don't want it to have that, that bigger um, dimension. Yep, just what they just talked about. Uh, it's not a one-dimensional vector space over f, then this is, it's not cyclic. That makes sense. Okay, so here's another definition. Let m1 all the way up to mk be a collection of R modules. The collection of k tuples m1, m2, all the way up to mk, where mi is in mi, big mi, uh, with addition and action of R defined component-wise is called the direct product of m1 through mk, denoted m1, x, m2, x, you know, direct product. Okay, it is evident that the direct product of a collection of R modules is again an R module. The direct project product of M1 through MK is also referred to as the external direct sum of M1 through MK and denoted M1 circle plus M2 circle plus all the way up to MK. The direct product and direct sum of an infinite number of modules, which are different in general, are defined in exercise 20. The next proposition indicates when a module is isomorphic to the direct product of some of its submodules and is the analog for modules of theorem 9 in section 5.4, which determines when a group is the direct product of two of its subgroups. Okay. Uh, let n1 and 2 all the way up to nk be submodules of the R module m, sorry, this proposition, uh, then the following are equivalent. The map pi uh, n1 cross n2 cross all the way up to nk, uh, mapping uh, 2n1 plus n2 all the way up to nk, defined by pi of a1, a2, a all the way up to ak, equals a1 plus a2 all the way up to ak. Okay, so you're going from the uh, cross product, right? Yes? Uh, oh, direct product. Uh, you're going from direct product to sum. Um, is an isomorphism of R modules. So those are isomorphic. Uh, so the uh, sum is isomorphic to the direct product. Uh, number two, Nj intersect with N1 plus N2 all the way up to Nk, but not including Nj. So if you intersect them uh, with the sum, it's zero for all J. Okay. Intersect with the sum not including J is zero. So and then number three, every x in n1 all the way up to, or plus all the way up to nk can be written uniquely in the form a1 plus a2 all the way up to ak uh, with ai and N, ni. Okay, so every x, uh, every element can be written uniquely in the form of a sum of the a's. Okay, proof. To prove one implies two, suppose for some j that 2 fails to hold, so that the intersection fails to hold, so that it's not 0. So let aj be in that intersection of n1 up to nk, not including nj, intersected with nj. Then aj equals a1 plus blah blah blah, aj minus 1 plus aj plus 1 plus all the way up to ak for some ai and ni. Uh, then a1, uh, comma, all of those, up to aj minus 1 minus aj, comma, aj plus 1, comma, all the way up to ak, would be a non-zero element of the kernel 
of pi, which is a contradiction. Oh, yeah, okay, so that would be the negative of all of it. Yep, okay, so assume now that uh, 2 holds, so the intersection holds, um, that it's 0. If for some module elements, a, i, b, i, and n, i, we have a1 plus a2 all the way up to ak equals b1 plus b2 all the way up to bk. Then for each j, we have aj minus bj equals b1 minus a1 plus b2 minus a2, etc., uh, excluding the j's all the way up through the k's. Uh, the left-hand side is in nj, and the right side belongs to n1 plus all the way up to nk, but not including that nj. Um, so then aj minus bj is in nj intersected with the other stuff, which is 0. So this shows that aj equals bj for all j, so 2 implies 3. So the intersection being 0 implies that every element can be written uniquely. Okay, so finally to see that 3 implies 1, so finally to see that every element can be written uniquely implies that the map is an isomorphism. Uh, <clears throat> observe first that the map pi is clearly a surjective R-module homomorphism. Surjective R-module homomorphism. Because it's an isomorphism, obviously. Um, <clears throat> then 3 simply implies that pi is injective, so 1 to 1. Yep, hence is an isomorphism completing the proof. Oh, duh, we can't assume isomorphism. That was really stupid. Um, but yeah, you can assume that it's surjective. You can show that. Uh, if R, if an R module M equals N1 plus N2 all the way up to NK is the sum of modules N1 through NK of M satisfying the equivalent conditions of the proposition above, then M is said to be the internal uh, direct sum of N1 through NK. Written M equals N1 circle plus N2 all the way up to NK. By the proposition, this is equivalent to the assertion, assertion, <laughs> sorry. Uh, by the proposition, this is equivalent to the assertion that every element M of M can be written uniquely as a sum of elements M equals N1 plus N2 all the way up to NK uh, with NI and N, NI. Note that part one of the proposition is the statement that the internal direct sum uh, of N1 through NK is isomorphic to the internal direct sum, oh, external direct sum, which is the reason we identify them and use the same notation for both. Okay, so internal equals external. We don't have to differentiate. Next, we have a definition. An R module F is said to be free on the subset A of F if for every non-zero element X of F, there exists unique non-zero elements R1 through Rn of R and unique A1 through An in A such that X equals R1 A1 plus R2 A2 all the way up to Rn An um, uh, for N in positive, positive integers indexing set obviously in this situation we say a is a basis or set of free generators for f okay so a generated that f every non-zero element in x can be written as a linear combination of those a's if r is commutative ring then the cardinality of a is called the rank of f okay 
So that's important, especially for homework that we worked on today. Um, if R is a commutative ring, then the cardinality of A is called the rank of F. So the cardinality of the set of free generators is the rank of F. Okay. One should be careful to note the difference between the uniqueness property of direct sums and the uniqueness property of free modules. Namely, in the direct sum of two modules, say N1 direct sum N2, each element can be written uniquely as N1 plus N2. Here the uniqueness refers to as the module elements N1 and N2. In the case of free modules, the uniqueness is on the ring elements as well as the module elements. For example, if R is the integers and N1 equals N2 equals Z mod 2Z, then each element of N1 plus N2 has a unique representation in the form of N1 plus N2. Uh, sorry, each element of the direct sum is in the form of N1 plus N2, where each Ni is in Ni. However, N1, for instance, can be respect expressed as N1 or 3N1 or 5N1, etc. So each element does not have a unique representation in the form of R1, A1 plus R2, A2. Uh, thus, Z mod 2Z direct sum z mod 2z is not a free z module on the set 1001. Similarly, it is not free on any set. Okay, so in the direct sum of two modules, each element can be written uniquely, uh, referred to as the module elements little n1 and little n2. In the case of free mod modules, the uniqueness is the ring elements as well as the module elements. Okay, so that's where it differentiates. That makes sense. So the R's have to be unique as well as the N's. Okay, and that's where it fails in Z mod Z2 because those R's were not unique. It could have been a 1, it could have been 3, it could have been 5. Okay. Next we have a theorem. Uh, for any set A, there's a free R module F of A on the set A, and F of A satisfies the following universal property. That's super important, universal property. If M is any R module and phi of A to M is any map of sets, then there's a unique R module homomorphism. Oh, I thought that was phi. Okay, we'll call it, we'll call it a psi. Uh, f of a to m such that psi of a equals phi of a for all a and a that is the following diagram commutes so we have a to f of a by inclusion then down we have f of a to m <coughs> by psi and then we have uh, diagonally a to m by phi when a is the finite set a1 through an f of a equals big R a1 <clears throat> direct sum, big R a2 direct sum, all the way up to big R a n, which is isomorphic to R to the n. Compare section 6.3 with free groups. <clears throat> so let's get through this proof, uh, and then we might be done. Okay. When a is the finite, oh, sorry, uh, proof, let f of a equal zero if a is the empty set. If A is non-empty, let f of A be the collection of all set functions f from A to R, such that f of A equals zero, but finitely many, uh, for all but finitely many A's in A. Make f of A into an R module by pointwise addition of functions and pointwise multiplication of ring elements 
times a function, in other words, um, f plus g of a equals f of a plus g of a, and r times f of a equals r times quantity f of a. Okay, it is an easy matter to check that all the r module axioms hold, the details are omitted. Identify a as a subset f of a by a goes to f uh, subscript a, where f subscript a is the function which is 1 at a and 0 elsewhere. We can, in this way, think of f of a as all finite r linear combinations of elements of a by identifying each function f with the sum r1a1 plus r2a2 all the way up to rn an, where f takes on the value ri at ai and zero all and is zero at all other elements of a. Moreover, each element of f of a has a unique expression as such, a formal sum. To establish the universal property of f of a, suppose phi of a to m is a map of the set a into the r module m. Define psi f of a to m by psi is the sum from i equals 1 to n of r i a i goes to the sum of i equals 1 to n of r i uh, times phi of a1 or of a i. By the uniqueness of the expression for the elements of f of a as linear combinations of the ai, we see easily that psi is well-defined R module homomorphism. The details are left as an exercise, of course. By definition of the restriction of psi to a equals phi. Finally, since, by definition, the restriction of psi to a equals phi. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, finally, since f of a is generated by a, once we know the values of an R-module homomorphism on A, its values of every element of F of A are uniquely determined, so psi is the unique extension of phi to all of F of A. When A is the finite set A1 through AN, uh, Proposition 5-3 shows that F of A equals big R A1 direct sum big R A2 directs them all the way up to big R A N. Since R is isomorphic to big R A I for all I under the map R to R A I, uh, proposition 5.1 shows that the direct sum is isomorphic to R N, R to the N. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay, well, there's only a couple paragraphs left, so we're going to tack this on to the end of that recording. It'll be good. So we have corollary 7 here. Uh, 1 says, if F1 and F2 are free modules on the same set A, there is a unique isomorphism between F1 and F2, which is the identity map on A. Okay, if they're both free modules on the same set, then there's a unique isomorphism, which is the identity on A. Uh, if f is any free R module with basis A, then f is isomorphic to f of A. In particular, f enjoys the same universal property with respect to A as f of A does in theorem 6. Okay. Proof is an, is an exercise, of course, obviously, uh, because it's dumb and foot. Um, if f is a free mo R module with basis A, 
we shall often, particularly in the case of vector spaces, define R-module homomorphisms from F into other R-modules simply by specifying their values on the elements of A and then saying extend by linearity. Corollary 7, part 2, which we just read, ensures that this is permissible. Okay, so if you define it for the generating set, it defines for the whole thing uh, by linearity. Uh, when R is the integers, the free module on a set A is called the free abelian group on A. If uh, the order of A is N and F of A is called the free abelian group of rank N and is isomorphic to Z direct sum Z direct sum up to Z N times. These definitions agree with the ones given in chapter 5. Okay. We are done with 10.3. Woohoo! Do some exercises. It'll be super fun. Okay, goodbye.